This is the Mend It Past podcast with Chadwick Hayward, episode 22. Welcome to MendItPast.com. Let's get back to bed. Hi, Path Menders. Thanks for stopping by. This week, I'm happy to be joined by certified starch solution counselor and trainer, author, and chef, Christopher Karnrick. Prior to embracing a plant-strong lifestyle, Christopher ran two successful restaurants in Seattle and later a culinary school which also provided culinary holidays and private-themed dinner parties in Spain. He also authored the book Kitchen Disasters, Solutions and Substitutions and co-authored Dinner for Six at Eight. He was also a regular TV personality on a variety of cooking shows airing on CBS, NBC and Fox Networks. However, in his 50s, with his health deteriorating, Christopher had to reevaluate his food choices. Luckily, he was able to mend his path and reclaim his health with a plant-strong diet. He shares his story with us today, as well as in his newest book, Confessions of a Starchivore. We also talk about his newest venture, Pirate Palms, which offers a private cottage on a three-acre resort in Naples, Florida, and contains an amazing edible forest. Hi, Christopher. Thanks so much for joining me today. You bet, Chadwick. I'm looking forward to visiting with you. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to have you on the show. Thank you. So right now, you just started a new venture, Pirate Palms. We did, yeah, just in December. Yeah, and so it offers accommodations in beautiful Florida as well as plant-centered meals. But we'll, we'll kind of work our way back to that because you're a chef by training and you weren't providing plant-centric meals for most of your time as a chef. Is that correct? No, that you're absolutely correct, Chadwick. I did not. And um, we had uh, two cookbooks that were out and they were not plant-centered. And the TV demonstrations were not plant-centered. So... Uh, nothing was plant. I was not plant centered whatsoever. So what led you to that route? Because usually people have some sort of reason to, to shy away from the culturally inbred way of eating that people have. Well, you know, I think um, there are a lot of people that are like me, which is they've struggled their entire lives with weight. And a lot of guys won't admit it, but it's true. They, they do struggle with it. Um, in, in my book, Confessions of a Starchy Boar, I talk about being a kid just uh, at trying on clothes. And the sales clerk would look and kind of shake her head and say, nope, we got to go to a husky. And just to let you know, husky, that's a size that that's just a nice way of saying fat. And so at the age of nine, you know, I'd been on a diet and a lot of people have been on a diet. But, you know, I had all the justifications. It's my it's in my DNA. It's just how my family is. Hey, I enjoy eating. I'm funny when I eat. When I'm fat, I'm funny. I'm not I wouldn't be funny thin. Uh, you know, people like me fat. They're used to I have big bones. I mean, all of that. And. Um, what happened was I had kind of this major event in my in my life that made me decide I needed to make a big change if I wanted to um, make things better. Okay, so what what kind of event happened for you? Um, I was in Spain and I had Casa Sevadias, which we provided themed dinner parties for people and. 
I went in for a checkup. You know, I figure everything's okay, but um, saw my an American doctor, and um, she examined me and said, "You do know that you're obese," <laughs> which nobody had actually had the nerve to look me in the eye and say that. They would say, "Well, you know, you you could lose a couple of pounds." That's usually what they would say. Hmm. She said, you're obese and your blood pressure is extremely high and your cholesterol for your age, at, you know, you're almost at 200. She said, you, you really need to make some changes. And um, I walked out with holding a prescription for blood pressure medication and just was kind of bewildered and went and started taking blood pressure medication and, um, you know, watching what I ate, which... When people say I'm going to watch what I eat, I'm going to eat better. They, I, I was one of those that would be that. Um, well, I'm not going to eat breakfast, and I'll have a healthy lunch, but I'll just eat anything for dinner because that's my trade. I, I have to eat the leftovers. I have to try their food, things like that. And with blood pressure medication, uh, one of the things that a lot of uh, men won't talk about is one of the side effects is. Uh, ED or erectile dysfunction yeah. because there's no pressure and there are times that we need pressure in order to make everything function. Um, and of course, you know, the medical world has uh, a pill for that too. And so I had gone back to the doctor saying, you know, I, I don't think I, I'm ready to experience ED at my age. And she said, well, here's a blue pill. And, um, so I took that and I had a very, very bad reaction to the blue pill. Hmm. And so this was all, you were in your mid fifties at this point in time. I was, yes, it was, uh, yeah, mid fifties. And, um, the, the blue pill, um, caused a, uh, rupture of an artery. So during the middle of, uh, sex, I was, had copious amounts of blood coming out from my penis and which kind of destroys the mood. And, (laughs) and after that healed up and, and, you know, they, when that happens, you're supposed to wait three months before you have sex again. And, but they assured me, Oh, it was just a fluke. It probably won't happen again. And it happened a second time. And, it happened a third time. And the re- and if you're wondering, Chadwick, what'd you go and do it a third time for? It's because all the medical people were telling me, oh, no, it shouldn't do that. But it did three times. And that's when I went, I was on the internet looking for, there have to be other people who have had this happen. And um, through my search, I happened to stumble across a website um, about Uh, Dr. John McDougall in Santa Rosa, California. And he had written an article about erectile dysfunction and diet and things like that. And I I wrote him directly. I sent him an email and told him what all happened. And he his response back was, well, you know, if you ate the way how I advocate, um, you probably wouldn't need medication and and uh, you'd lose some weight. And you could do that in 10 days. And and um, I, I actually got angry because 
I have spent, and if you look in the book, Confessions of a Starchy Vore, I go through every single diet I've ever been on from Atkins to the zone, A to Z. And I've had it, you know, I've had enough of people telling me, especially skinny people telling me what I need to eat to lose weight. And I told John, I said, you know what? I'm going to follow your diet exactly. And I said, but I want to let you know, I do demonstrations on CBS, NBC, and Fox. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to make sure people know it doesn't work. And I, I, I tried all the allowable food on t- for 10 days. And I, you know, you're supposed to just eat until you're not hungry. But I went overboard because down inside, I really wanted to prove him wrong. And at the end of 10 days, um, my blood pressure dropped to 120 over 70. I only lost like three pounds in those 10 days, but I didn't deserve those 10 pounds because I was eating a lot. But my blood pressure dropped to normal and they were able to take me off of the medication. And the reason why I think that's significant is most people will say, well, if you're if you're as heavy as you are, Christopher, then that's why you have high blood pressure. I only lost three pounds and my blood pressure went to normal. It wasn't me and my fat. It was the food. Yeah. And then I just kept going and which I've now lost 80 pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. And your blood pressure remained normal after you stopped taking your medication. Yes. Uh, the only time my blood pressure raises is when people um, say that you need to eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, my blood pressure has ma- maintained at 120 over 70 and, and I don't. And people say, oh, well, you hurt. The reason why you hurt was because you were fat. The pain was going away before I'd lost the significant amount of weight. Hmm. And my cholesterol, um, currently I just had it tested in November. And instead of hovering at 200, um, my my total cholesterol was 98. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. They had to test it twice because they had never seen uh, results that low before. That's incredible. And so, so after that 10 days, you were, you were hooked. You were a believer. You were no longer trying to prove McDougal wrong. Well, here's the thing. I love food. I love to eat and I don't like people messing with my groceries. <laughs> and you know what? I get real food. It's good food. It's stuff I like. And, you know, and a lot of people go, oh, I don't know how you could eat that. And it's like, what do you mean? Like beans and rice, which I happen to love. And a lot of people say, well, you're, you're a chef. There are so many things that you can do and you can eat and it's super easy. And you're not using oil. So you don't have a messy kitchen to clean up. Yeah. Your utensils aren't all greasy. And if you're a chef, you're not worried about if you have any salmonella contamination on any of your other food. You don't have to worry about how long has this been sitting out. And it, it's actually very liberating professionally as well. Yeah, I definitely enjoy not having to be concerned about cross-contamination in the kitchen anymore. Yeah. It's, it, it's a weight off your shoulders. I used to hate cooking for that very reason. I felt like OCD, I'd be washing my hands 25 times trying to make <laughs> supper. And now it's like, no, you just go make supper. <laughs>
Yeah, or you can actually, you know, uh, eat the raw dog because there's nothing in there that can kill you. Yeah, yeah. I know I don't follow the food safety rule. Like I'll cook, I'll cook a soup, and then when it's done, I'll leave it on the stove for two or three hours before I dish it out into individual containers and put it in the refrigerator. And I'm not concerned about bacteria growth in that time because there's nothing in there that should have those toxins like e coli or salmonella or any of those bad things yeah you're correct so you also did a an immersion with uh dr mcdougall was that right after those 10 days or when when did you decide to jump in a little more i had waited i had been doing it for two years and then um i really wanted to go and in person and but i did write Dr. McDougall and I said, you know, I've already been doing this for for two years and, you know, will it be worth it? And, you know, well, and he said other people who have, they, they like it and, you know, people who've been following the plan and it was the best decision I ever made. As a matter of fact, I made friends too. There's a group of four of us, um, or four friends, there'll be a total group of six of us. We're all meeting this weekend on uh, the holistic at sea it's a cruise ship where they you know a bunch of us that eat this way float around the caribbean for a week oh that's awesome but not only do you, was it the camaraderie that was nice the food oh my god um it's an all-you-can-eat buffet three times a day plus there's a sweet card that you go in and there's a sweet with food in there the whole point of it is not to be hungry and i got to witness 45 people who a lot of them this was their last resort mm -hmm. after this it's surgery and i got to see so many people get better in 10 days and so there was that and, and also there were excursions there were lectures because it's good for me it was good to understand the science behind why i was doing all this yeah you knew it worked. It's nice to know the mechanism. I knew it worked, but I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why I was so addicted to cheese. Mm -hmm. And now I understand the the scientific components of what's in cheese and why it works. And so I think once you own and know that addiction, then it's easier to to handle it. Absolutely, it's definitely easier to overcome once you're once you're aware of of the many processes that are stacked against you like the fat that's in it that's triggering that dopamine response or the opiates that are literally addicting in cheese yeah so you're also a certified starch solution counselor and trainer do you want to tell us a little bit about that so the reason why i um i did that is because i started in spain doing uh, lectures in clinics gyms yoga centers um telling them about a plant-centered diet and what's interesting is in Spain, the clinic, uh, you know, that was my goal was to be if to me, it was like if you could get to a clinic, I mean, that would be great. I was interviewed by every doctor and they even made me submit to a blood test before they would let me lecture because they wanted to actually see what my cholesterol and blood work looked like. That oh, would wow. be totally illegal here in the United States. But yeah. In Spain, they did. And they were, and based on the blood work, they uh, let me come in and give, um, and do training there in their clinic. That's awesome. That, wow. That blows me away a little bit. Talk about, 
putting that on your resume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's my resume and a sample of my blood. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, the only thing I will tell you that I was disappointed about um, that, and I, and since being in the United States, I've done lectures in other clinics. One of the things that is difficult is when a patient is told to go to a lecture because they have, you know, they're, they have high blood pressure or they have coronary disease and they don't really want to go, it, it's not as much fun to train yeah. as it is for people who are committed to, to making changes. But you do get to meet people who you see just how well they've earned the, the damage that has happened to their body. And, and I do blame, I, I personally blame the food industry. I don't blame the, the individual, but to me, when when people are manipulating my food in order to get a dopamine response, so I will go back and buy more, um, that that bothers me. Yeah, it's hard as an individual to compete with that. Yeah, especially exactly. when the information to help you compete against that is relatively hidden. And you know, there, what what I find really sad is that there are people who. I have got, there's even a TV show, my 600 pound life where you can see what the addiction has done. And then what they don't see is, you know, the doctors are very good at, yo, they can go in and slice your stomach open and take two thirds of it out. And even that isn't successful. And, and the only reason why I mention that is I will, and I mentioned it in my book, confessions of a starchy board that I considered bariatric surgery. Because I thought, well, that'll, that'll take care of it because I had no control. But following a plant-centered diet gives you the control. Well, you can, you can have a bounty of food. Like you said, yeah. you ate more. To prove a point, you ate more than to fullness. And you still were able to lose weight in that 10 days. Absolutely, yeah. So what does your diet look like now? So for right now, um, breakfast, since uh, we have a bed and breakfast, it's usually, um, you know, I will have to say breakfast is, is pretty good, uh, <laughs> only because I have to prepare for, for guests. But um, some of the favorite things that people like are, um, is a, a vegan quiche that I make. And, and a lot of people will ask me, you know, well, how are you doing that? And and um, on that one, it is gluten-free, and I don't use tofu. And so then they get all giddy and excited about it. But, um, but a lot of people want to know, how did you do it without a crust? And, and, and I'll tell you. So, Chadwick, you know and your listeners know. The secret is buying a silicone pie plate. Okay. And so you make it, bake it and then chill it overnight, and in the morning, peel back the silicone off of it and put it in a regular pie plate and warm it back up. And everybody thinks you just baked it, and it, and it magically was nonstick. Ah. And, and that's how you get around that. But that uh, we just had uh, some people that were here from England, and so I was inspired to fix them an English-style breakfast and so I made black pudding, but completely compliant, which 
they were amazed because they said it did taste like black pudding, but it didn't have that blood flavor. <laughs> and um, the black pudding was basically black beans and rice with spices that you would use to make black pudding. And so once that was baked, it, it did have the resemblance. The only thing I do a little bit differently is I toss in some white beans into the dough okay. so that when you slice it, it visually looks like those little pieces of fat, but it's uh, pieces of white bean. Uh, that's clever. But a simple breakfast, if, if I'm not doing breakfast for guests, um, I like just plain oatmeal, to be honest. Mm, oatmeal's an amazing breakfast. You can do so much with oatmeal. Oh, I know. I, I go through tons of oatmeal. And my favorite is when people go, oh, your recipe calls for oat flour. I can't find oat flour. And it's like, just put your oatmeal in the blender. (laughs) You now have oat flour. (laughs) Absolutely. And then um, lunch is usually um, something around here. It's usually, you know, whatever's around. So if it's leftovers or, um, you know, a sandwich, um, I make it. Or and then you know, I struggle because the reason why I'm hemming and hawing is what I eat for myself is tends to be fairly simple. But when I have guests, you know, then it's not simple. So like um, we have a dinner called BFD, which is burgers, fries, and dogs. Okay. And so I make hot dogs that people think. Are hot dogs, but they're actually made out of carrots. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and the secret to that, just to let you know, is is you'll find those recipes online, and they'll tell you to marinate the carrots. Don't do that. Boil them in the marinade for seven minutes, chill them, and then freeze them. And okay. after you freeze them in the marinade, and then when you pull it back out, you can throw them on the grill, and they taste like a hot dog and they have more of a texture of a hot dog. Um, so that, or, you know, pizza, burgers, um, they're a famed dinner that I just did the other night was, uh, uh, called an evening in Provence, uh, that was plant centered, no oil. And that started with a mock liver mousse with a, um, so when you look at it, it looks like chicken liver mousse with aspic and truffles. Hmm. But actually what it is, it's a, a mock liver pate that's actually made out of lentils, if you can believe that. And the secret to the pate is a reduction of a strong sherry. And so when you stir that in, because the reality is, Chadwick, we don't crave amino acids from meat. What we crave are the flavorings that we put on meat. We crave the salt. We crave the fat. So you can reproduce almost anything without meat just using uh, the flavoring principles that make that dish the appropriate dish. And then the uh, aspic was just vegetable broth with um, agar agar. And I, I used real truffles. So you have that. Oh, that's awesome. Then, you know, a beautiful salad. And here at Pirate Palms, we happen to, to we have a hydroponic tower where we grow all of our greens. And then also we have one whole acre that's just uh, fruits and vegetables. And so we we harvest that. Um, and then dinner, can, uh, the main course was champignon bourguignon. 
And people all think, oh, that that's terribly hard. And it's not. All you do is you, you get a slow cooker and you put in pearl onions and mushrooms and carrots and then open a bottle of red wine and dump the entire bottle less mm -hmm. one glass because the one glass is for you. <laughs> and then you add some vegetable broth and thyme um, and pepper and set it and turn it on. And, and then like in six hours, go over and stir it and add some brown rice flour to it until it's th thickened to the consistency you want and serve that on brown rice. And, oh, people roll around on the floor frothing at the mouth how wonderful it is. And how did you do this? Oh, it must be really hard. It's not. And again, because we're not using oil, things your house doesn't stink yeah. and it's easy to clean up and it's not clogging your arteries yeah what's with that people are like oh my god don't put that down don't put the bacon grease down the sink don't put it down the sink yeah and it, but they'll put it down their throat <laughs> it's ironic is it not it is you don't want yeah. to pay a plumber to come and snake out your drain but you're okay with paying <laughs> yeah. a doctor to snake out your artery <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing. It is. So a lot of your, when you're preparing food for guests, you're using traditional type of meals and you're veganizing it essentially. Well, whole food basing it. I'm whole food basing it. And I'll tell you why I don't use the word vegan. And that's because I've had uh, vegans stand up and yell at me at presentations because I was wearing leather shoes. Mm. Um, and And the thing is, is that no, I don't eat any animals. I, I will say that what I, my message out to vegans is you guys, if we all can get on the same train, I mean, we play the same game, just different uniforms. Yeah. Your cause is going to be satisfied. Our cause is going to be satisfied. So let's work together, not against each other. But yes, I will confess I have used honey. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and I am eating this way for health reasons. And I think that if we can get more people to do that, then the animal kingdom will be very happy. And so will the ethical vegans, but I do use plant centered for that reason. Yeah. I, I prefer that term as well. And, and for the exact, well, and also there's some really, you know, Oreo cookies are, are vegan yeah. and, and they're not healthy and, you know, there are a lot of fat vegans, you know, that we've seen and, you know, potato chips and all that are not healthy. But anyway, so yeah, I do vegan, I do plant centerize it, but I know what you mean by veganize it. Yeah. And the reason I, why I do that is a lot of people have told me, oh, I could never eat the way you do because I don't want to give up something and they'll, they'll fill in the blank. And, and I'm here to tell you, I have given up, as far as flavor, I have given up nothing. I have all those flavors that I love. I, I love barbecue. I barbecue a lot of different things. I barbecue portobello mushrooms. You can actually make a Korean short rib out of portobello mushrooms that are incredible. I mean, you can have any flavor that you want. And... And when people say, don't you miss anything, I, I will say it took, I will say it took 21 days or three weeks 
just to get in the habit. And once you're in the habit of, of, you know, I eat this and not this, then it's very simple. And you just think differently. You learn that to not freak out on sauteing with vegetable broth instead of using oil. And it just becomes very easy. Yeah, it's really not substantial changes necessarily to achieve similar outcomes in the kitchen anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. So you touched on your villa, let's call it, at Pirate Palms a little bit. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and and what people, where people can find it? You bet. Um, we're in Naples, Florida. And actually, if you go to www.piratepalms.com, we're also on Airbnb. And so people can, and um, Happy Cow. Um, I don't know if you, do you know about Happy Cow? Happy Cow, it uh, highlights different restaurants, right? Vegan restaurants, I think. It, yeah, it's vegan restaurants. I happen to be the ambassador for Naples, Florida for Happy Cow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so um, so what happens is we have accommodations for, for four people. It's a, a, a chalet, which is two bedroom, uh, one bathroom, a fully fitted kitchen, dining room, a screened-in terrace, and then an outdoor terrace, and then this tropical pathway that you go through and you pass orchids and bananas and things. And then you go to the main part of the house, which has a screened-in solar-heated swimming pool. Oh, wow. And that's where we do breakfast every morning. And then after people have breakfast, a lot of times people will take a cup of tea and they will go and take a walk into the back acre, which is an edible forest that was designed by Erica Cloth of Florida Edible Landscaping. So it's all landscaped, but everything back there is edible. So, um, you know, what looks like really pretty grasses with flowers are actually a form of garlic chives. Um, there's you know, jackfruit, mangoes, I mean, every imaginable kind of tropical fruit. I use a lot of jackfruit for um, green jackfruit for um, substituting some meat dishes for people. And so people will wander back there to, to look around and, um, and, and take it all in. And so that's what Pirate Palms is. And then people also will uh, hire us to do lunch and dinner. And sometimes they'll take, um, they'll ask for demonstrations or classes. And then we also offer um, the start solution training that is available here as well. And that's what Pirate Palms is. That sounds absolutely incredible. You have to come visit. Yeah, absolutely. But let me get this straight. You can pick fresh bananas. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, when they're in season, I know. Don't I'm not laughing at you because it was a big deal for me too. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like, oh my god, <laughs> bananas grow on a plant and not at the store. <laughs> yeah, I I literally go through like fifteen to twenty pounds of bananas a week. I I'm a banana freak. <laughs> I gotta tell you, there's this place over here called Going Bananas, and. If anybody's ever in Homestead, Florida, which is uh, in between here and uh, Miami, this guy who happens, he and his wife happen to be plant centered, which I didn't know until we got there. But they when you walk in, 
there's these piles of all these different bananas for you to try. And you, you try all the bananas and decide which ones you like. And then they take you out to the, um, to see where they're growing. And then they take you and you can buy the bananas. So we have all these different varieties of bananas, but what's great is being able to actually eat them and go, you know what? Not all bananas taste the same. Some of them taste like an apple. Some of them are red. Um, there's some that, um, are, are little round balls. My mind is a little bit blown here. There's some called praying hands, um, which the bananas aren't separate. They're all stuck together, but mm-hmm. they're and they're big. So you you slice off one side because you can't pull it off like a what like okay. a traditional banana. But and the flavor is very different on those. And wow. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff to see when you're here. And plus, you can take a swamp buggy ride. <laughs> <laughs> see the gators. And see the gators. We just had some people that jumped out that were from uh, Germany. And uh, they said, you know, they were a little disappointed because when they very first were out there, they didn't see any alligators with the guide. And the guide said, oh, well, it's because the water's too brackish. Let me go a little bit further. And they said they went further and they said their airboat was surrounded by 20 alligators. (laughs) And uh, this is now too many alligators. <laughs> yeah, she was like, okay, but you know, and they were afraid, like, what what would happen if somebody fell or something? Yeah. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the growing season there? The what? The growing season for your edible forest. the The growing season will go from uh, January first until December thirty first. All year, eh? All year, yeah. So, like, um, like right now, um, you know, I've got cabbage and kale and chard, but I can plant other things if I want because, you know, the temperature stays. Right now, we're having a cold spell. It's like at 80 degrees. Um, so, it'll be like 60 at night and 80 in the daytime. In the summertime, It'll be like 70 at night and we'll get up in the high 90s during the daytime. Wow. So the season, the summertime, you have, there's a torrential downpour of every afternoon of around four or five o'clock, but it's, it's over very fast, hmm. but that keeps everything uh, damp and wet and tropical. And because we have um, so many spaces that are screened in, uh, you don't have to worry about mosquitoes. And we don't use pesticides. That's uh, the other thing. A lot of people will ask, um, you know, they'll ask, what do you do with leftover food or what do you do with scraps? Of course, we have a composting uh, area over by the bananas. Bananas love compost. We have worm composters. Um, if we have to deal with fire ants, we use neem oil, um, but because everything is edible, we don't use any pesticides back there. Yeah, so it's all organic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the water is, uh, we, we're on a, a well, so we use untreated well water to irrigate. Um, the water on the premises is uh, treated by carbon filters, and then it is softened. And then we also have a reverse osmosis. Wow, that's awesome. 
So switching to plant-based really has made a change in your life, not not just from a personal health perspective, but it's changed the direction of your career as well. It has that. And I can now wear skinny jeans and, you know, I've never been able to my whole life. <laughs> but, you know, career-wise it changed. But, you know, what I think is, is more important than that is anybody who has dealt with their weight will will appreciate this. All of you know that one bad weekend and you can put on 10 pounds, even a bad meal, you can put on five pounds. But when you're doing plant centered, it's not like that anymore. And for me, I had three sets of clothes before I had my thin clothes. I had my fat clothes. And then I had this one set I called, oh, my God, what have I done? Clothes, (laughs) Which was basically, you know, I I only had Tommy Bahama shirts because, you know, they were flowy. And, you know, but um, it was really hard for me to give those clothes up because I still was afraid this is all going to end and that one day I'm going to be fat again. And, and it, it took four years before I could get over the fact that it, as long as I'm eating plant-centered no oil, it's not coming back. And it is very liberating because most people know, and even if you are telling yourself you're comfortable, when you're fat and you're out in public eating, you know people are looking around going, you know, they really shouldn't be eating that. And now I don't have I don't have that happening anymore. And um, it is incredibly freeing. So how long did it take for you to let four years to let go of that old clothes? It did. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It took four. I, I, I just kept and, and, you know, I was just doing a lecture at a clinic and, and somebody raised their hand and asked me, They said, what motivates you now to prevent you from going back to the old ways? And I just said, I never, ever want to go back to the life that I had to deal with, with being overweight. And I mean, like, you know, a lot of people won't confess to you, but I will, Chadwick. First of all, there are things like a lot of people say, well, I don't see any pictures of you without your shirt on on those before pictures. Well, there is no way I would allow anybody with a camera to be around me without my shirt on back then. The other thing is that they'll say, well, you didn't seem so. If you look at any old picture, I've either got a pillow I'm holding on the couch around my stomach, or I've got somebody in front of me. You just You're constantly, when I weigh myself, which was something I did almost every single day, you had to put the scale at a certain place, you know, the the crack in the floor is here, you put the scale there, you ease onto it very carefully, and you don't weigh uh, until between, you only weigh between 10 and 12, and you can't eat before you weigh, and all of that is because if that number is a different number, it's going to ruin your whole day. Hmm. And ruin how you feel about yourself. And what baffles me is I just want everybody to know you can break out of all of this and still eat really good food. 
just by going plant centered, no oil. Yeah, you were you were slave to the the scale. Absolutely, and your value was was dependent on what number it said. Yeah, absolutely. So that's not the case today. Like if you weigh yourself today, it doesn't have the same emotional impact. No. And what happened was I um, <laughs> I had a trainer in Spain um, who, when I very first started this journey, was helping me by he didn't he didn't subscribe to it, but because I did, he decided he would do everything he could to be supportive. And one of the things he had me do was to take a photo of every single thing I ate. And um, what was funny was I asked him, did you ever get tired of looking at the photos? And he said, I never looked at them. He said, that was for you. And um, that and I had to make a commitment to him to only weigh once a week. Okay. And which I did that. And then and then uh, after a while, it was once every two weeks and then it was once a month and and now today to be honest with you i do two things one is um i check to see how my clothes are fitting like my skinny jeans <laughs> and the other one is uh there is somebody i i don't uh, a lot of people say oh will you go to the gym i encourage people to do any kind of activity that they enjoy. And there were certain things I enjoyed at the gym. I enjoyed the camaraderie and going there. Um, but I had to get a trainer because before I was on cardio machines all the time and getting nowhere and they were reducing the amount of time that I would spend. And uh, but anyway, he gave me tasks not to weigh so much. Now I will go to the gym and there's somebody who will measure my body fat because I'm always curious about you know what, because you can't really get that on the scale. No. And if, if I gain a pound, then I want to go and I'm going to check the body fat. And it's like, Hey, look, my body fat has gone down to, you know, 14%, but I gained a pound. So that's good. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And of course people always, you know, ask, where do you get your protein? <laughs> that is a common question. <laughs> I know. I get, I, uh, you're, or you're not getting enough protein. You know what kills me is uh, I was talking to a friend of my mom's. She's on statins. She had to go to the hospital because of si side effects of the statins. And I asked her, well, why don't you just quit eating things that contain cholesterol? And that just seemed to like, she just looked at me and she said, well, that's extreme. <laughs> and I'm like, you're in the hospital. You now have a pacemaker. And, and they've told you that all your problems are based off of statins, but you think not eating, eating, you know, and then when people say, well, how do you know if it has cholesterol? I just tell them if, because a lot of people say, oh no, I eat fish. And it's like, you know, if there, if it has a liver, it has cholesterol. Yeah. Because, you know, we produce our own cholesterol. We don't really need to eat other cholesterol. That's right. And having a pacemaker is extreme. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, there's or, no doubt you know, about oh, that. No, don't worry. You know, you, we're, we're just going to slice up in your leg and take out a vein and stitch it onto your heart. Yeah, or you need a device to shock your heart at periodic times. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that, no, that's pretty extreme. <laughs> I agree. So if, uh, if someone's coming to take your course, how, mm-hmm. how long would they need to stay with you to, to do the whole course, let's say? Well, you know, ideally I would tell somebody to come for seven days, but a lot of people don't want to do that. And I think that it depends on the individual, but we will do uh, three-day programs. And um, so if somebody wanted to go through everything for like an intensive three days, they can do that here at Pirate Palms and we'll have all the, the backup material for them. Um, we'll take them to um, a couple of restaurants to show them. You know, that's that's the hard part uh, is when people say, what's the most difficult? The most difficult part about this way of eating, there are two things, family and friends. Those are the most difficult. But restaurants can be a challenge, but we take them to a restaurant to show them how to work with a restaurant in order to be able to get a compliant meal. So we do things like that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I I agree that family and friends, it can be hard. You're kind of, it feels like you're swimming in the opposite direction of the flowing water in the world we live in presently. Well, we are. <laughs> and by the way, um, did you know that Dr. Bernard on his book, The Cheese Trap, is actually being featured on Dr. Oz? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I saw that, I think, on Facebook today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw it on my page, did you? Was it? It might have been your page. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I think. I think all of us are posting it. It's like, please, please watch this so you understand what what's happening with the cheese and yeah, what happens to, to you. promote his new book. Yeah, the cheese trap. Yeah, he's doing a a wine and cheese at Sublime in Fort Lauderdale on Friday because on Saturday. Um, is that holistic at sea Okay, where all of us are going to float around and eat plant-centered, no oil food. Uh, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think they do that once a year, right? They do. And, you know, I will, I will tell you how it was. I've heard mixed reviews. Okay. So I will let you know afterwards. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I know a future or not a future, a prior guest, uh, Robert Cheek. He's been there a few times and I think he's going there this uh this march as well so did he like it he said he did <laughs> he seemed to really like it so it seems pretty incredible it's got some pretty big names uh in attendance so it does i have to admit though i mean when you're looking at some of the lectures i mean <laughs> you do crack up laughing you know like one of them was busting the myths of coffee enemas and it's like you know that was just not something I was planning on listening to on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that particular one is uh, part of the Grayson therapy. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Doctor Gregor at Nutrition Facts has a has a video on that. It's it it I think it hasn't been shown to decrease your recurrence rate, and it may kill you. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, well, yeah, you probably want to avoid doing any coffee enemas. Who came up with this idea? In my quest for weight loss, you know, I actually went up to the Alpahara Mountains to this yoga retreat. This was before the plant center because I was trying anything. Okay. And it was a, a juice fast where you went to this place and you had um, you had to have two enemas a day. And then, you know, one day they said, today we're going to have a coffee enema. And I was like, could I please just drink the coffee? (laughs) 
and you know, I, I, I lost 14 pounds in two weeks and prompt, I gained it all back, I think in two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> a, a juice fast is a great way to, to start a transition, I think, or, or to supplement, but it's definitely, it's not very helpful if you're going to go back to your standard American diet or Western diet right after. Exactly. No, I agree for re- resetting your system and then. Uh, if for people who want to do that, I think it, it can be beneficial, but what's great is just being able to eat the food and know that your body's detoxing itself because you're not taking in the toxins anymore. Yeah. It's an, it's an empowering feeling knowing that you're fueling your body for healing. So I ask my guests, uh, that come on, if they were to provide one piece of advice for path menders that are either on the fence or just starting their journey, what would that be? That would be, do your research and look into whole food plant-centered diet because you're going to, we're all bombarded by so much information and the information is there. And if you want to get healthy and feel good and you enjoy food and eating, this is the best way that you can go and hold fast to that. And when you get your successes, hold on to those because your family and friends are going to be saying, oh, this is crazy. You shouldn't do this. And, and you need to go, but look what's happening to me and take that time for yourself and celebrate those rewards that you are going to be gaining. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christopher. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you, Chadwick. It was my pleasure. I can't wait to come visit you in Florida and pick some pick some bananas fresh off the tree. Awesome. We'll send you pictures when the bananas are starting to be ripe. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Mend It Paths podcast at www.menditpaths.com. If you haven't already done so, please like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash menditpaths. See you all next time. Visit menditpaths.com and get back to bed. Now.